Hi, and welcome to Women at Warp, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Join us as our crew of four women Star Trek fans boldly go on our bi-weekly mission to explore our favorite franchise. My name is Sue, and thanks for tuning in. With me today are my co-host, Andy. Hey, everyone. And our special guest, Laura. Hi. And Mira. Hi. So today we're going to be talking about cosplay. Andy's really excited about it. Even though I know nothing about cosplay, I'm still really pumped, (laughs) you guys. Really quickly, we just want to go over our usual housekeeping, which is that at this time our show is entirely supported by our patrons over at patreon.com, and that support allows us to do things like upgrade equipment and promote the show at conventions and have things printed up. We recently uh, had a banner made for Star Trek Las Vegas, and every little bit helps. We appreciate every bit you guys do for us so much, and if you're interested in supporting the show monetarily, you can do so at patreon.com slash women at warp. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash women at warp. And as of the date this podcast is released, this coming weekend, I will be at Dragon Con, so you can look for me there. And uh, also coming up is New York Comic Con, and at least one member from every show on the Roddenberry Podcast Network will be at New York Comic Con. We are at the very, very beginning of figuring out if there is any kind of meetup we can do, so more on that to come. And also there is more Star Trek Las Vegas audio to come in the feed. Is there anything I left out? No, that was extremely organized and concise. I kind of wish Grace <laughs> was here to sing something. She usually <laughs> sings a song about giving us money that, that is helpful. <laughs> All right, well, why don't we move on then? And for each of our guests, Laura and Mira, I'm going to ask you to introduce yourself a little bit, tell us about your history with Star Trek, when you got into it, and for this episode, when you started cosplaying. So why don't we start with Laura? Hi, well, yeah, my name's Laura. I've been a Trekkie for a long time. When I was living um, in New York and my parents, like, just were working and busy and to raise three kids they just put us in front of the tv and star trek was my babysitter so (laughs) i essentially grew up watching like they raised me really and so the next generation and so ever since then i've been obsessed with space and just traveling and and star trek everything star trek and um i started this cosplaying young because my parents would always dress me up because i always tell them i want to do this i want to do that um, and then when I got older, I was able to make things myself and be able to do it. So I've been doing it almost my my whole life. And then Star Trek, I really got into it maybe in my, in my teens and then uh, my 20s. <laughs> That's so impressive. I once tried to cosplay Doctor Who, and I was like, I'll do Rose. And I just got some hoop earrings. And I was like, this is good. <laughs> No, that's cosplaying. That is, because you're yeah. becoming the character. So that's important. I ate a lot of fish and chips. <laughs> what about you, Mira? I'm Mira, and I'm actually like a fairly new Trekkie. I first saw Star Trek in 2013. Hey, me too! Yeah! (laughs) So it's, you know, about four years now, and I still feel like brand new to everything because I've only seen Next Generation so far and half of DS9. But I started cosplaying, I think... November 2015. I had the idea earlier that year basically to take Dr. Crusher's outfit and put a little spin on it. And actually, it was supposed to be for Gates McFadden to wear. (laughs) (laughs) Like, she was going to do it for me. And then when, obviously, I figured out, well, it's going to be pretty hard for her to be able to do this. I'm going to do it for her, (laughs) you know? (laughs) And since then, I've just kind of expanded on what I've been doing since that time. And still learning and growing and 
keeping it up. So I'm so yeah. jealous because you get to rewatch all the episodes for the first time. <laughs> yeah. Same. Like, just go yeah. through that again. Like, yeah. The first time I saw Bollywood Bev, I, I legit, like, gasped. I'm not, I think maybe it was Mission New York, maybe, that you were cosplaying it. And it, it came up on our Twitter feed for Women at Warp. And I was like, oh, my God, I love it. I love it so much. I retweeted it so fast, you don't even know. I think I left smoke. <laughs> I I got text messages about that picture. And I think I was on a panel at Dragon Con because it was the same weekend. And, like, my phone's on the table blowing up. And, like, what is Andy like, doing? Sue, Sue, somebody did. Bev, you're going to love it. You have to see it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Like, I'm blushing right now. <laughs> Sue is number one Dr. Crusher stan, so I knew she'd love it. <laughs> Always here for Dr. Crusher. Always. She is the best, really. Yeah. I guess I'll give a little bit of my convention slash costuming background. Once again, I find myself being like the old lady of the podcast. My first Star Trek convention was in 1994, which I realize is not that long ago, but it's still 23 years ago, <laughs> which is <laughs> ludicrous. What I remember of costuming from from the early conventions I went to was that you mostly saw uniforms and you saw Klingons. And that was pretty much mm-hmm. it. There wasn't a whole lot of like the the deep cut cosplay that we see or the silly cosplay that we see at conventions now that has become so popular. And I didn't really start costuming until maybe seven or eight years ago. And yeah, I don't really do a lot of Star Trek cosplay, but that is for reasons I want to get more deeply into later in our discussion. So. (laughs) Mm -hmm. When Sue and I did a panel at Dragon Con, we were both in Doctor Who gear. And I was like, we are disappointing the the Trek (laughs) fandom right now. (laughs) Not to toot my own horn, but I do a pretty good Donna Noble. Yeah, it is good. Remember, the comics did do a crossover between Doctor There you go. Shared universe. (laughs) Marvel's got nothing on us. That's true. That's true. Yeah. (laughs) So mostly for the purposes of this discussion, we're probably going to be using the term cosplay in its most general sense, meaning anytime you get dressed up in a costume and go to a convention. There are people who draw distinctions between costuming and cosplay, saying that you're not cosplaying unless you're staying in that character. Uh, We'll probably debate that a little bit more later. But yeah, so cosplay, general use. Also, we are going to try to do some focus on Star Trek costuming, but I'm pretty sure that some other fandoms are going to sneak in here like they already have. So, (laughs) But I think that the issues that we're going to talk about are true for all fandoms. So it's kind of a universal conversation. Word. So the first known convention attendee to wear a costume at a convention, or the two of them, were Forrest James Ackerman and his friend Myrtle A. Jones, and they wore homemade costumes to the very first World Science Fiction Convention in New York in 1939. They were the mm. only two people in costume out of 185 attendees, and it is described in a lot of places as having caught on, quote-unquote, because the following year, there were 12 costumed attendees at Worldcon. <laughs> I was thinking, that, like, either you go and you're the first cosplayer ever at a convention and people are like, what are you doing? Or you go and everyone's like, oh my god, what are you yeah. doing? That's amazing. I want to do that. That's pretty cool. So as far as anybody knows, the first 
costume contest held at a convention was in August of 1965. A convention called Costume Con, dedicated to costuming, uh, the first one was held in January of 83. The International Costumers Guild was formed at the third Costume Con in 85. And the term cosplay was coined by a Japanese reporter who attended the 42nd World Con in 1984. So. <laughs> interesting. I mean, it's got history, man. Not quite as long as uh, fanfic, though, because if you really go for fanfic, I mean, we're going hundreds yeah. <laughs> of years for fanfic. But this is still pretty impressive, I think. But the term cosplay feels a lot more recent to me. But maybe that's just, you know, our lived experience. I don't remember the first time I ever heard of cosplay, but I feel like it wasn't that long ago. I feel it was like within the last 10 years. Yeah, I um I used to go to Comic Con before, and I dressed up, and there was really not many people, and so it was kind of you kind of get embarrassed, or and then you kind of have to take it in pride that you're like, oh no, but I'm this character. It, I mean, now it's like considered so cool, and I'm like, what? <laughs> you're a hipster cosplay. You did it before it was cool. I know. I'm just like, oh, I'm just gonna walk slowly into the convention. <laughs> no, there was definitely like a stigma. That I remember of, oh, you're going to a Star Trek convention? Are you going to wear a costume? Like, are you one of those weirdos who dresses up and hangs out at conventions? Oh my god, yeah. (laughs) Yes, yes I am. It's like in high school, when I was in high school, which I'm not going to mention when, people were like, oh, you're into Star Trek? Oh, you like Star Wars? You like this? And it's like, oh no, you have to kind of hide away. It's embarrassing. And then when you go to your 10-year reunion, everyone's like, oh, my God, you, want, you go to the Star Trek convention? That's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a good thing. And it's, it's something that I love to see more and more people get involved in fandom because it's so fun. And it's such a bright spot in what is, to me, an increasingly dark world. So I, I really love seeing new people try and cosplay out. Uh, I was really nervous when I did my first, like, real cosplay was the one and probably only time I'll ever do it. It was for Dragon Con, and I did Arrow, and I had, like, an Arrow. It was, like, a gender-swapped Arrow, and I had, like, the dress and the bow and everything, and I just, I felt so nervous, but it was also very freeing, and, like, it wasn't anything special or anything, and nobody was trying to get my picture But I still was like, I put time and effort into this, and now I look like a way cooler Oliver Queen, and it was cool. It was fun. Yeah, totally. You you should rock it. You worked so hard on it. (laughs) Pretty much what happened is I saw a dress that had a hood, and it was like olive colored, and I was like, that looks like what Lady Arrow would wear. And I was like, well then, I better buy it, and then make it into exactly what Lady Arrow would wear. That's how so many of my costumes have started. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like I go to the thrift store and I'm like, oh, that could be a perfect, this costume. Mm-hmm. There's just a lot of creativity involved, I think. Seeing things where there isn't anything yet. But that leads me, your experience there leads me into so many different like ways we could go with this conversation. Uh, because there are definitely issues surrounding crossplay or gender bending, but there are also issues surrounding bullying in cosplay. So there are, I guess, I guess why not start there is that there are definitely people who want to 
go out of their way to make somebody feel bad about their costume, whether they don't think it's constructed well enough or they don't think that person has the, quote, right body type or even so far as, well, you bought your costume, you didn't make your costume. So have you guys experienced this? What are your feelings on it? (laughs) Obviously, I think all of that is wrong. Uh (laughs) You know, because I, I really don't think that it's it's appropriate to make anyone sort of feel bad about something that they're trying to really celebrate, you know? Like, why go to all that trouble to to do that to someone when they're really just trying to enjoy something that really makes them happy and feels part of something? No, I agree. I mean, it's obviously it's wrong. And I, I just feel like if you're truly a fan of, like, Star Trek, like how Roddenberry has always described it, like, it's it's open for everyone in all types and all types of people. And we shouldn't limit ourselves to just one set of things. I mean, it, it's really difficult because I do get a lot of hate from people regarding some of my cosplays um, when I did do like a race bending. And, you know, I got called the Asian crusher or the Asian version of thing. And it's like disheartening. And it's really, it doesn't stop me from wanting to cosplay, but it kind of just, it kind of hurts a little bit. And I try not to let them get to me, but, you know, there's going to be people like that. And it's just like, it, but it doesn't reflect Star Trek fans and how, and his vision. So I try not to let that get, get to me. Yeah, I mean, I felt that way kind of when I was doing that Arrow cosplay. I was really, really nervous that people were going to laugh at me. And that's just not a great feeling. And it's not something that you'd want to foster in a fandom community. I think the point of fandom at its best is to feel inclusive and to make everybody excited about the thing that we all love. But often people use it as a way to talk about who is not, who is, quote, a real fan. And you see that in all sorts of flavors, but I feel like it's particularly against women. And I think it's particularly against women who do um, kind of canon tweaking and like the creative fandoms. So like we talked about this a little bit when we were talking about fanfic, about how fanfic is often very woman dominated because they don't feel like they see themselves in the narrative, so they write themselves there. And then I feel like you have something similar in cosplay where, I mean, I've seen men do very creative cosplay, so don't think that I'm saying that they can't. But I feel like a lot of the kind of cosplay that's super creative and super, like you were talking, Sue, about how it used to be just the uniforms, and now you see, like, joke cosplay, or, you know, all of the bending, the various ways of, like, changing the costume just a little bit, like Bollywood Bev. I feel like a lot of that is done by women. And then it has a tendency to have backlash from, like, these guys that think they're the arbiter of who gets to who gets to be in the fandom and how that fandom is supposed to be portrayed. Yeah, I see a lot of uh, gender-bent cosplay in the Doctor Who fandom. And I don't know if it's still as popular as it was a few years ago, but for a while, especially right around the 50th anniversary, it was a huge trend to see women cosplaying different doctors. And there were so many think pieces written about it, but it basically all boiled down to the fact that, you know, women are sick of being the sidekick and we want to see ourselves be the doctor. Yes, and that's what, and we have a female doctor now. Yeah. Woo. <laughs> yes. And you know, what was so interesting about the day that that announcement broke was just scrolling through my Facebook feed, 
I saw so many cosplay friends write something along the lines of, now I can be the doctor, now I can dress as the doctor without having to alter something about the character, which is like struck me as more powerful than I thought it would. Because, yeah, you should not be limited by by the gender of a character or by another aspect of a character. But when you, like, there's something weird about it when you you can, I guess, what's the right word? Authentic feels like it's the wrong word. But when, like, the, the representation is there in the fandom for for you and who you are. I think it's just nice to have a character that is easy to identify with and you can look at and be like, that's me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it tends to resonate more. And women and people of color have this issue where we often have to, are like, we have to fall in love with characters that don't necessarily look like us. And right. we're very good at that because we have to do that. And cool. I mean, I mean, how many women cosplay the doctor regardless? You know, they bend yeah. it. But there's mm-hmm. something special about not having to do that and feeling represented in the fandom and being able to feel like, yeah, that's me. I'm the hero. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's, that's, oh, man. There's just so much. I think it's just, like, a small percentage that actually cares about that, like, that actually, like, are willing to say crappy things like that. You know, it's nice to feel included in that we see in this new Star, Star Trek, we've seen more inclusion and, you know, we don't need to shy away from having to, like, gender bend or race bend because now we're the heroes. And it's great to see, you know, back when I was growing up, it's tough to see an Asian or any woman of color. And so seeing, like, in the leading role and not, you know, being the person who holds a plant to, in order for people to understand <laughs> who they're cosplaying as. And, like... It's it's nice to be in a lead role and be actually sit in a captain's chair without being like, oh, you're Asian Janeway. Although I will say I do love your Keiko cosplay. It is it is mad cute. <laughs> well, Laura, you had some tweets that got a lot of attention too with the casting of Michelle Yeoh. Yeah, yeah, because um, when she was first announced as a uh, captain, um, I was so excited because, you know, I've been a fan for years. And so it's been nice to see an Asian woman in the captain's chair as captain. And a lot of people are like, oh, you know, why, why does this Asian person have to be representative of you? I'm like, because I get to see myself, you know, <laughs> sit there and be accepted. And it's nice that, you know, finally after years of, of watching this like the series, I get to see myself being reflected on the big screen. And and it's just emotional for me because, you know, I've been a fan for years and, you know, I've had a lot of problems growing up, like being raised around like a white community and just not being able to identify myself. I eventually moved to an Asian community, but it's kind of like I didn't have identity. And because media is important, you see yourselves every day watching television. And so I finally see myself and I mean, I'm fine now, but I just feel like little girls out there who never saw themselves finally get to see themselves as a leader and that you're the boss and you are, you can be captain, you can be anything that you want and not just be the side characters that, you know, we've seen before. Yeah, I think that's super powerful. One of the other things I like is expanding the number of characters. So like... One pushback that I saw on some of your tweets, Laura, was like, well, you had Hoshi and you had Keiko and Janeway is a captain, you know, and getting kind of all salty with you about it. But I mean, that's a handful of people. So like trying to fit 
like, the complexities of, like, every t- different kind of woman that you could be into, like, these handful of characters, not even, like, main, main characters, is just so limiting. Like, how many white dudes have we seen, right? So it's something that I've, I think about a lot when, it ta- when we're talking about representation. It's just, like, if you have more characters, you can show different types of characters. So, like, now we have uh, an, a kick-ass Asian woman in command. That's amazing. Maybe next we can have a villain, you know? Just, like, more. More, please. Yeah. More. I mean, and I feel like this is the first time, like, it, well, it's been, a, it's been a long time. We uh, like The original series has Yohara, you know, um, Michelle, and then it's been years since we've seen a, a, a black woman in the lead. Mm-hmm. Ever since the, like, that's in the 60s. Why did it take so long to finally see a black woman in, as a lead character? I mean, we had the movies as well, but it's still nice to, like, to have a lead role in a series that, you know, we all grew up with. And I'm so excited for her. I'm so excited. <laughs> so I think this, that idea of the availability of different characters leads really nicely into the concept of whitewashing versus race bending. Um, and please correct me if you think that this, these should be defined differently, but I would say that race bending is taking is, is when a person of color, a cosplayer of color, takes a white character and race bends them to cosplay them, and whitewashing is when a white cosplayer takes a character who is of color and cosplays them. Would you say that's accurate? For cosplay, I think it's it's a little bit different. For for whitewashing, I feel like it's more media based, where it's like Ghost in the Shell. It's an Asian woman who mm-hmm. was played by Scarlett Johansson, mm-hmm. or Doctor Strange, the Ancient One, is played by Tilda Swinton. For for cosplay, I wouldn't necessarily call it whitewashing unless they totally yellow face or black face, and I'll be like, no, that's wrong. You, you know, <laughs> yeah. right. It is. It, I mean, technically, it is whitewashing, mm-hmm. but it's not. It's not bad to do that. I don't think, unless you are, like, if you're doing like the the coloring of anything darkening, then it's wrong. It's a hundred percent, million percent wrong. But yeah, that's another thing we have to talk about. <laughs> well, I remember reading a thread on Tumblr that the the explanation of why a white cosplayer should not play a character of color, regardless of if you're <laughs> you're painting your skin, which you should never do was that, you know, as white people, there are so many different characters already for us to, quote, choose from. And there aren't as many characters of color on screen. So it's it's almost like taking something away by choosing to cosplay that character. That is assuming that cosplay is a zero-sum game, which is not, which it's certainly not, but it just, it makes everything a little bit more complicated. Obviously, yes. Hashtag no blackface. <laughs> like, that's, that's just like, please never. There is never a good time for that. It is always wrong. Just, we don't, don't add us. Well, I, I think if it adds culture, if there's cultural stuff to it, then don't do it. If there's yeah. the Dora Maji, like, for Black Panther, don't do it. Because that's African traditional garbs uh, that, they're, that they're using. Um, and then... Also for, like, if you weren't, like, Asian-based where it's, like, traditional, like, garment, then that's kind of touchy on it. But if you're, like, playing Martha from Doctor Who um, and you just wear her clothes, no blackface, just her clothes, then I think that's fine because you're, you're, you're liking the character and you're just dressing up as that character but not 
but if anything regarding traditional, I, I, I think you kind of have to shy away from that. But regards to like an Americanized version where you're just wearing the clothes, mm-hmm. um, I feel like that's fine. Like if it's if they're if they're normalized clothes, like if you like I've seen a lot of Bill Potts and people are just wearing her outfit. They're not doing anything to their hair. They're not doing anything to their face. It's just the outfit because they love her clothes and her character. I, I actually, yeah, I agree with that. I think in terms of cosplaying, it's, you know, it's not black and white in that sense. But if someone's, you know, really like inspired and just drawn to a character, as long as they're not being openly offensive or anything, you know, absolutely. Just, you know, hashtag no blackface. <laughs> no, Ever. no black, no brown, no yellow face. That's definitely a hard and fast rule we can all agree on. <laughs> yeah, it was interesting. It seems to be that that is now the conclusion. I feel like a couple years ago, there was a standard idea of just like, just don't do it. Like, even if you want to, just don't do it. And I was recently in a cosplaying online community, just reading through some posts and somebody, there was a, a woman, a white woman, saying how she would really love to cosplay Tiana, and but would n- never do it, quote unquote, because she's afraid of being called a racist. Hmm. And the the comments in the thread, like, sort of panned out into most people saying, you know, just don't do blackface, and nobody's going to care. Yeah. So that that seems to be where things are going. Yes. Yeah, I feel like it because Tiana had a green dress and it wasn't like anything traditional or cultural, it would be more acceptable. Because I, I actually had an issue where I um, submitted, I, I wrote to a, a group, a Facebook group, and I, I asked him, I'm like, what can I do for Bill, like Bill from Doctor Who? I'm like, I, I have her clothes, but I don't want to do anything insulting. So I really wanted to consult just so I didn't, you know, step in any lines. Mm-hmm. And like they said, it's it's if you're wearing the regular clothes, that's not anything cultural or traditional. I they they feel like it's it's fine, and you have to be respectful, of course. Man, some of these issues are there's just so many layers to them. It's it's can be difficult for sure, as can can gender bending, right? Because there are people. I read an article recently that there that somebody wrote about. It's called "My Problem with Gender Bent Cosplay," um, and the breakdown of it was that when the the problem is when women are the sexy doctor or the sexy ghostbuster like the halloween costumes this is again what the article says and when the men are like trying to be burly manly heteronormative guys in wigs so it becomes a joke and mm. feeling that that is you know not only uh turning the woman into a, an object but also, like, sort of insulting the trans community in both cases. Mm. Mm. But whereas when you are, like, I guess trying to just translate the costume without turning it into, like, lingerie was the implication, is when it's not a, quote, problem. There, there are so many things, so many parts to this. I feel like no matter what, you're going to insult someone. Even if you do it perfectly... Someone's going to be insulted. I'm, I'm, I'm all for if people want to do it respectfully. And even if it's like a little sexy, I think that's completely fine because those people, you know, they're comfortable with themselves and, and should be able to showcase their love and, you know, that's and how they want to perceive it as well. I mean, there's always going to be some situations. I just, 
I'm not really too sure. It's a great line. It really is, like, regarding that kind of issue. I think as long as you're going into it with, like, respect, Mm -hmm. you're probably going to be okay. And if you're even thinking about that kind of thing, if you're if you're looking at a cosplay option and you're thinking, is this respectful of the trans community? I have a feeling that you're not the type of person that's going to be putting together a cosplay that's going to be really <laughs> offensive. You know, like even asking yourself a question is probably pretty good. But yeah, I mean, I think cosplay kind of runs into these kind of identity issues a lot because it's you taking on another identity. So. Mm-hmm. It, it comes fraught with a lot of layers that don't always happen in other aspects of fandom. Like, nobody's going to get angry at you for collecting all of the ships. So, unless maybe you snag one off eBay that somebody else wanted or something. <laughs> <laughs> so, when you guys have dealt with people angry for ridiculous reasons, like angry that, you know, you race-bent a character or you gender-bent a character... How do you deal with that? When I did Bollywood Bev for uh, Star Trek missions in New York, and um, the official star, I was in their costume contest, and the official Star Trek Facebook page posted my picture as one of the you know main pictures to advertise the contest. And there were, I guess, there were these white guys in the comments like, "I don't get it," <laughs> and I was like, you know, it just kind of like taught me like one, don't read the comment section. <laughs> <laughs> best to just not to but you know I just didn't I just didn't take it on a lot of it has to do with your own resilience and just knowing that what you're doing is for me I I try mine came with a message that I I didn't have to look exactly like Dr. Crusher to be Dr. to cosplay as Dr. Crusher you know because she is my favorite character and she resonated so deeply with me and that's more about our essences rather than me looking like her and so if our essences were very similar, I could still look like me and, and cosplay as her. And it's just about like being confident in that and not really, uh, I guess, caring about what other people think or if they're clueless or if they don't get it, you know, because a lot more people liked it than that guy. So, you know, yeah, I think it's interesting that you said like they, they were saying that they don't get it. Well, maybe it's not for you. Mm-hmm. I think I think a lot of white men especially are used to everything being catered to them. So when they they consider white men to be neutral, they consider it to be universal. So when it's something outside of that, they're like, oh, "But this isn't for me. I reject it." You know, this kind of well, maybe it wasn't for you. Maybe it was for Mira. Maybe it was for herself. Okay. <laughs> yeah. When yeah. we cosplay, it's really for ourselves. Like and. We have such a strong community. I feel like in the Star Trek community, because we, we all go to the conventions and we talk to each other online, I feel like we have a strong sense of community already that they, like uh, any of the other naysayers, they don't really affect us because we have such a strong, great community. Like I, I, I know I can always count on my yes. Star Trek friend for this strong community. And, and I did Cupid the, from the episode Cupid. I was Beverly Crusher in the Robin Hood gear. And I, I had a group with us, and it's a whole group. And they were like, no, Laura, you are Beverly Crusher. You are Dr. Crusher. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. You are not Asian Crusher. You are Crusher. And so, I mean, mm-hmm. I have such a great support system that I feel like, you know what, if anyone says, like, oh, what's an Asian doing there? It's kind of nice. I, no matter what, don't read the comments. And then also embrace the people <laughs> who do appreciate it. Yeah, and one thing about these kind of people that have a tendency to be super negative on the boards and stuff. 
I feel like I never see them doing anything for the fandom. You know what I mean? Like, they always seem to be outside it, almost. Like, the most I ever really see them is, like, on Facebook or on Twitter, and they say they're fans, but, like, I've never heard of you. Not to say that I know every fan or anything like that, but, like, what have you, you know, contributed to our community lately that means that you get to decide, you know, whether somebody somebody's fandom is good or real it always comes down to real. I, that drives me bananas. I don't understand where that real fan thing came from. But that's always been interesting to me. It's like never any of these fans that, you know, you see at conventions cosplaying. <laughs> or at least I've never seen that. Well, I just don't understand why people would think someone would spend so much time and so much money doing something that they don't actually love to get someone else's attention who likes things they don't like. Yeah. Like, why would I spend hundreds of dollars and probably hundreds of hours putting together a Star Trek costume and paying to go to a Star Trek convention if I don't like Star Trek? To attract someone who does? It doesn't make any sense. No, exactly. And I feel like the people who are complaining are the people who never not see themselves mm-hmm. have to like worry about that stuff. Like, I always said, like, the people who are, are who are so negative and saying these things, it's because they never had to fight or or work hard to try to see themselves being represented. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they never had to make space. The space has always been about them. Yeah, right. And now they're pushing back because they feel like it's being taken away. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's frustrating. I will say though that I have been seeing a lot of really great cosplay. Um, Vegas, I was not able to go to Vegas, but man, was I following it on Twitter and some of the cosplay there was so good. I just love that people are, you know, finding something that was on screen for five minutes in one episode and, and cosplaying it. And I love it. Because back then, um, like when, because I I mentioned a few years ago, there's really no Asians other than Keiko and Hoshi that I've, I've cosplayed before already. I've had to think of kind of unique ways to cosplay. So I was spot the cat one year and I was a board cube another year. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. If I had seen you as spot the cat, I would have like run you down and been like, take a picture with me immediately. (laughs) I will bring it next year. If you go to, if you go to con, I will wear it again for you. (laughs) Oh my gosh. It's like personal cosplay. I love it. See, even in the days when, it was mostly uniforms and Klingons. I feel like the great thing about Star Trek cosplay is that anyone can put on that uniform and be a Starfleet officer. Yeah, that is true. Right? Regardless of, of gender, regardless of race. And I think the one issue that still does come into play, though, is that there's not a lot of body diversity in Star Trek. So myself included, I think a lot of people in those early days when it was just, you know, uniforms you could buy at Party City did not want to put on a spandex jumpsuit, you know, for fear of either being ridiculed by other people or just feeling uncomfortable yourself. But spandex is so forgiving and flattering. Why wouldn't you want to just cover yourself in polyester spandex? No, I feel you though, Sue. Like that is that has been something that has kept me from like when I was doing it that one year 
that I did it. I still was like, I remember, and you were there, so you mm-hmm. remember. I was like taking all these selfies. I was like, I don't know, I don't know if I can go out and have people look at me. Like it's it's a it's a thing. It's a real thing. And like if you think about Star Trek, there really is like no body diversity on Star Trek. Like the one thing that immediately pops to mind is the Packleds in that one episode, mm-hmm. and they basically cast them because they were like, "How do we immediately show that they're stupid?" Let's cast fat people. Yeah, that talk slow. <laughs> Feelings. <laughs> no, definitely. I feel like there's not like for men there is for women. I don't. Yeah, I, I don't see any body diversity for women at all. Yeah, you don't want me to be in a polyester miniskirt, okay? <laughs> Nobody wants that, especially me. Well, and that's why I shied away from a lot of Star Trek cosplay for so long. But, you know, recently more things have become available. Like, I can get Nechea's Admiral tunic, which I feel is more flattering on me. And I have plans to wear that at Dragon Con. Like, and people are doing different things. You know, there's there was somebody in Star Trek Las Vegas who cosplayed as Troy as the cake. You know, she was carrying a table around on top of herself. I'm also a sucker for uh, ship cosplays. So, like, somebody did Enterprise. That was amazing. Uh, I always love the TARDIS ones. I always think that those are really cool and interesting because what's more classic than the Enterprise? I mean, what is more emblematic of Star Trek than the Enterprise? But mashups are becoming more and more popular, too. So, like, Mm -hmm. if you feel uncomfortable, first of all, don't let anybody shame you for wearing what you want to wear. So let's start there. Like, if you want to put on that spandex jumpsuit, do it. Screw everybody else. But if you feel uncomfortable doing that, you can mash it up with something. Like, there are people who do, you know, Starfleet uniform meets a 50s poodle skirt, meets a Victorian dress, meets the love boat, right? The old SNL sketch. So you can do just about anything, and it becomes recognizable it can be a visual pun it can pick up on something that a joke that somebody made forever ago because somebody is going to recognize it this is really random but laura did you do a a rihanna sledgehammer cosplay i did oh my god i was about to bring that up and i was thinking back to the picture of it and i was like you know what that actually that looked like laura was that laura oh my god it was laura yeah i i loved that that no one actually, only a few people got. They were just like, "Oh, what what alien race is she?" <laughs> I I saw it because uh, at Enterprise Extra was really oh, Jim. Yeah, Jim, <laughs> Jim, uh, lovely Jim was like amazing, and he tweeted it into my timeline. I was just like so pumped about that. <laughs> I mean, there's just Star Trek has such depth. You can find just the the smallest characters, or like the like who would think. Hey, now I get to cosplay Rihanna, and it's totally Star Trek cosplay. That's amazing. I know. I was just like, oh, I had the music in the background so people could understand. (laughs) And like, and yeah, a lot of people are like, oh, I don't get it. And I'm just like, no, I'm 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 the alien like like Rihanna, and they're just like, oh, we didn't see that. I'm like, oh. See, this is why Jim got it right away. It's because Jim embraces all of Star Trek, including new Star Trek, and a lot of people who are like the convention goers are not are a little bit wary of the new stuff. I, I was also all about it because I love that music video and I think that song is beautiful. But I, it just goes to show, though, that like the creativity that you can find all sorts of 
all sorts of costumes. Oh, yeah. Like you, there's so many different things you can do. And that Rihanna one was so comfortable. Because when I made it, I was like, oh, my God, these are just, everything's loose. And I could just. It's just so flowy. Yeah. And it's flowy because, like, I might, um, if there was wind, I could, like, it was so long that I could, like, blow the wind, uh, her arms. And it was just, it was such a comfortable cosplay. I'm like, maybe I should do it again. It's so comfortable. Um, (laughs) The only problem was the makeup, the face makeup. That was, like, insane. But anything, other, other than that, like, yeah, I mean, I feel like you could you could honestly be anything from you and people i saw people as tribbles people actually had like they made themselves around tribble like the little like little little like puffball and like i feel Mm -hmm. like you could be honestly in in star in star trek in the at our convention especially our convention it's so open and so embracing like people are so for it i think it's only the online community online trolls that are just the haters yeah are there any cosplays that y'all are looking forward to doing? Like any ideas that you have? <laughs> I I did um, back in September. I did uh, a, I call her Daisy Dax, which is um, Jazdia Dax, and I you know did this trill spots and I did her version of the uniform in addition to Bollywood Bev. And what I really would like to do, and this is going to take me quite some time, the wedding look for Dax. Oh, to wow. her wedding, her wedding. Oh to my God! I, I would love to do a full Indian bridal sari look for Dax. That's going to take a while because that's elaborate. Yeah, that's that's pretty amazing. But here's the coolest thing about stuff like that is like because it's unique, it gets noticed. Like Gates McFadden actually like noticed you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, that's that's huge. Yeah. She called you adorable, right? <laughs> yes, she, yes, she did. I would put that yes, on my did. damn tombstone, okay? <laughs> called <laughs> adorable by Gates McFadden. <laughs> yes. <laughs> She's great, yeah. For me, I'm working on a, I've been working on this for a long time, a Livingston costume. <laughs> um, oh my god! I was like, everyone, everyone's like, "That's okay. You were spot. You should be Livingston." So I was like, "Okay, oh challenge gosh. accepted. I will work on this." I feel like, this for like two years. That's I feel like that's like like such such a level that I could not even comprehend. Like <laughs> me and my rose Tyler hoop earrings are just like what. <laughs> no idea how to do that but I'm sure it'll be amazing and I look forward to it and I look forward to tweeting it see I I love this because I feel like fandom has stopped taking itself so seriously (laughs) and like you have people who even just a few years ago like that's not screen accurate and I witnessed this at conventions I'm sorry, I'm just picturing someone going up to Laura and be like, you're too big to be living still. That's not, that's not screen accurate. People were like, wow, Spot is, is so big. <laughs> but like um, 10 years I- ago, you'd get side-eyed for dressing as a cat at a Star Trek. <laughs> oh my God. And like, it wouldn't be funny. It would be like disrespectful in the eyes of the quote, true fans. And that's what I mean by people taking everything less seriously like they can laugh at things they can embrace like the ridiculousness that is sometimes star trek (laughs) okay 
So I will never do these because I, I, I am terrible at cosplay. I've learned. But these are the things that I wanted to do. I wanted to do, like, a femme gorn. And I actually saw someone at, at a con this year actually wearing the... Because the gorn wears a really cute dress, guys. She was Miss Universe. Yeah, it's, like, checkered. <laughs> I, I want to do that, but, like... Then you have, like, a crown with the eyes, and then you're green. Oh, my God. I would do such, like, if I had any skills at all, I would make the coolest femme Gorn costume. I also would want to do that Lady Gaga-looking girl from TOS, too. Oh, yeah, she's pretty. Yeah, that was pretty. (laughs) And just, like, some of those TOS costumes are just so rad. But I also have little black cats that could easily be Isis, so maybe someday I'll do Space Bond and Ninja Cat. Oh, my God. That'd be so cute. (laughs) Last year for Star Trek Las Vegas, as like last resort, and I actually didn't even end up wearing it, I went and ordered, you know, the $18 Rubies TOS tunic from Amazon. And that like sparkle fringe that you get for little kids parties. And I was like, I'm just going to wear the tunic and like wrap the the streamers around my waist and say I'm mid-transport. <laughs> oh my god, that would, that would be so cool. <laughs> that is an open source idea. Anybody can have that now. <laughs> like I, I just love the creativity that like everyone has. Like and that, and that's the cool thing. Like at uh, Star Trek at Star Trek Las Vegas, I feel like everyone can can do that and not be judged and like get get so much love from that. That's one of the most things fun things about cons in general is just walking around and seeing what people come up with because they come up with just like such cool stuff are they doing mission new york again this year not this year but they it says stay tuned for 2018 ah okay because there are some really cool stuff at that one too there's just so many ideas. You know, it's funny because me and my friend, um, she she goes to the conventions too. Like her and I, we just we message each other like, hey, what should we do? We should do this. And it's we always come up with the most random costumes or like, yeah, let's do this. And it's always so fun because I feel like <laughs> you can do anything in, in, in Star Trek. Well, that's the beauty of sci-fi and why we love it so much is because of the open-ended possibilities It's also really the beauty of the internet, and I think that's a huge part of why cosplay has increased so much. It's because it makes things so much more accessible. Yeah. Like, 20 years ago, how are you going to figure out how to make, you know, Klingon armor or buy Warbla? If you live in a small town, where are you going to find, you know, molding foam to make things out of, to make props out of? You know, but now we have places we can order from online and then they'll ship you supplies and you can watch youtube videos to uh, tutorials to learn how to do this stuff and it's just made the whole hobby much easier to get into and much more inclusive i think plus you get to see all the pictures of everybody doing everything and like how much fun they're having and it's just so aspirational and like oh man maybe i can do that i actually never intended to cosplay <laughs> <laughs> like, I was like, I'm never going to be, you know, I'm, I'm never going to ever dress up in costume. I could never see myself doing that. And now it's like, uh, what am I going to work on next? <laughs> <laughs> it's become a lifestyle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I appreciate you guys doing this episode because, you know, it's, it's, especially now, because now that we're seeing like more inclusion and diversity in, in, in the Trek world especially with fans, like I've seen the increase of like just a mixed group of people 
And it's, it's so refreshing to have us talk about it because it's so important. And now we're in a world where, you know, there's so many problems and there's protesters, like, like horrible people, pro- like saying mm-hmm. horrible things. And I feel like this kind of thing, and especially going on in the cosplay community. So I feel, I really appreciate that there's a um, discussion on it, like on women of war. It's so great to just be mm-hmm. able to talk about it. I think that Star Trek is really needed right now. I feel like it's the perfect time for more Star Trek. And I have to say, when I saw that that trailer, that first trailer they dropped, and it was basically nothing but two women of color talking to each other, I was just so floored. And it looked so beautiful and so interesting. But the whole time I was like, in 10 seconds, they blew the Bechdel-Wallace test out of the water. Mm-hmm. 10 seconds! In the trailer alone. And I was just like, this is... This is the kind of Star Trek that I need right now, you know? There's one season of Enterprise where they're, for the entire season, I think there's four minutes that pass the Bechdel test. That trailer won over that. Over an entire season of Enterprise. Like, I actually teared up, and, like, it looks like an amazing show, and I was really, really interested in the trailer from, like, a fan perspective, but there was just this part of me that was just so touched by it as well and the fact that they're actively trying to you know show a gay character and you know the the way that the actors and the writers have been on uh social media talking to the their the fans already has me just super pumped and i feel like this is the perfect time for new star trek and i just just so excited but it still feels like they purposely made it difficult for cosplayers doesn't it (laughs) oh my god oh my god (laughs) see i get to just go pretty costumes laura has to be like how do i do that (laughs) so laura you you are one of the first people to cosplay discovery yeah well i saw a girl went to a denver uh, comic con she had it too and um and I was just like, I need, I need to do this. And um, plus, you know, Michelle Yeoh. And I was like, I, I definitely need to do this because, you know, her birthday is also that weekend at the Star Trek convention. So I'm like, this would be perfect. And um, and so I, I really, I, I started working on it. And I messaged the, like, I tweeted out to the costume designer. Um, I'm like, you know, as a Star Trek fan, this is the best, be- most beautiful, co- uh, like uniform I've ever seen but as a cosplayer I really hate you (laughs) (laughs) it is really pretty though I really love it I love the 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 gold like the gold stripes and stuff well the deltas were a pain oh my god (laughs) (laughs) I believe it I believe it I'm gonna make I'm gonna work on it so it'll be better because that was such a last minute thing where I actually had time because I had comic-con so I was like no now I have time to make it and um and that, that was, like, a really short time. So I'm going to, now that I have more time, I'm like, I'm going to make sure by next convention I'll have a like, official-looking one. Well, I can't wait. I can't wait for the new round of pictures for me to retweet and just geek out over our, your guys' awesome cosplay. And maybe someday I will, I will, I will do some Tarek cosplay of my own because I, I do get ideas, especially when I'm watching the show, and I'm like, man, that would be so cool. I know Mira's amazing at her work and like at it, and I'm, I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks so much for joining us, you guys. That was 
really fun. And Sue knows, Sue knows how long I've been wanting to do this episode. So I'm really glad that it worked out that we could have you both here. Thank you. Thank you. So Mira, where can people find you online if they want to follow your cosplay adventures? I guess that would have to be on Twitter. My handle is xlovelucy, like I love Lucy, but an X. And I I update over there until I can do something more official with it. (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. And Laura? Um, Yeah, they can find me on Twitter. I'm always on there. Like, I'm always on there. (laughs) (laughs) At L Cole, L-S-I-R-I-K-U-L. So that's my name. But, like, yeah, they can find me on there. I'm always tweeting about cosplay and Star Trek, Star Wars, and, and Doctor Who. Yeah, I saw you're working on a Rose cosplay, a Star Wars Rose cosplay. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm, I, oh my god, that's a lot. Of, it's a, it's getting a lot of work because I just got the pattern and I'm trying to find the color and like I'm waiting for them to actually display it, have it on display because usually they have it on display for me to work, to really look at it. Yeah, there are not many photos of that yet because I I have another friend who's trying to make that as well. <laughs> I'm just really happy that they're like I'm starting to see more of myself in the fandoms I grew up with, and I'm just waiting on Doctor Who to have a companion that you know. Absolutely. Well, they haven't announced the new companion yet. I love two ladies. Mm-hmm. That would be pretty awesome. <laughs> All right, Andy, where are you on Twitter? I am at First Time Trek, where I tweet a lot about Star Trek and also, you know, drag race stuff. <laughs> Lots of gifts. I swear a lot. It's a good time. <laughs> it is. And on Twitter, I am Speltor. That's S-P-A-L-T-O-R. If you want to get in touch with the show, you can reach us on Twitter at Women at Warp, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Women at Warp, or by email at crew at Women at Warp.com. And for our blog, you can find that at Women at Warp.com. And for more from the Roddenberry Podcast Network, you can find that at podcasts with an S dot Roddenberry.com. Thanks so much for joining us. <laughs> <laughs>